Welcome to Let's Talk Farm to Fork, the post-harvest podcast that interviews people making an impact in the fresh produce sector. We'll take a deep dive into what they do and find out how they're helping to reduce the amount of food lost or wasted along the farm to fork journey. But before we get started, did you know that according to the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, around 45% of the world's fruits and vegetables go to waste each year? If you would like to learn more about how you can practically play your part in maximizing fruit and vegetable supplies, whether you're a part of the industry or simply a consumer, visit postharvest.com and try out their free online course library today. Now, time for your host, Mitchell Denton. Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Farm to Fork, the post-harvest podcast that interviews people of interest across the food supply chain. Today on our show, I'm joined by Tom Ross Measel, from Just Egg and Good Meat, who I'll be talking to about how their food technology company is focused on developing alternative food products that are sustainable, healthy, environmentally friendly, and cruelty-free. So with no further delays, let's get started. Well, hi, Tom. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thank you. Before we get the ball rolling, though, I thought I'd just ask you if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, and maybe a fun fact about yourself. Yeah, um, I, I lead marketing at Eat Just, um, and we have we have two brands. We have Just Egg, which is a, a plant based egg product. Um, mm-hmm. We're in about two million U.S. households, um, and then we also um, have the Good Meat brand, which is different. That's cultivated meat, not plant based, and I can dive into that more later. I've been with the company now um, since May of 2019, so almost four years. Before I joined Eat Just, I, uh, I was in politics, actually. So I did um, uh, campaigns around the U.S., around the world for almost 15 years. Um, everything from uh, everyone, I should say, from uh, Senator Doug Jones, Governor Jerry Brown. And our, our, our job was we would, we would take um, information you know, from our pollster and we would we'd try to construct strategies for... Um, how do we energize core voters to make sure they show up on election day? Mm. How do we persuade undecided voters to to come our way? And obviously, there was a transition going from the political world into the, the CPG world, but but it it's largely similar. I mean, it's yeah. Um, when it comes to just egg, you know, how do we build a category from scratch, plant based eggs, um, mm-hmm. by motivating you know core vegan consumers, but then also persuading these other flexitarian segments, right? These young families with egg allergies or young couples trying to eat healthier. And so that's been, that's been the transition I've been able to, to do over the last few years. And I, uh, I, I got connected to each us though, through a, a former colleague, Josh Bulk. He was, uh, he's actually one of, um, each us co-founders, but Josh ran the farm animal protection work for the Humane Society of the United States. So mm-hmm. I got connected to him because I was, helping do all these campaigns with Josh. So ballot initiatives in California and Massachusetts and other states, uh, primarily around improving the welfare and conditions for egg-laying hens. Yeah, wow. And so obviously there's another way to, to help the chickens, mm-hmm. which is making eggs directly to plants. And so that's sort of how I landed at, at Just Egg, and it's been, a, it's been a great ride. Yeah, wow, okay. That actually leads me to my next question. I was wondering, how does Just Egg create plant-based egg products that mimic the taste and texture of traditional eggs? 
Yeah, it's a good question. We're a food technology company, but I think what's interesting is that a, a big piece of it is is just trying to understand the technology that's already in plants. So mm-hmm. a lot of these functional properties that we work with in, in plant-based foods, it's not just like sort of creating them. It's it's identifying these different functional properties that exist in the beans and legumes and seeds and nuts all around us. And yeah. Um, and these are properties that we've never really looked at. Um, and so when the, when the company set out to make a plant-based egg, and this is well before I joined, this is going back to 2011, 2012, that was the first task. It's looking at the properties in all these different plants around the world and seeing what they're capable of. And it was in that process, they figured out that the protein in the mung bean, which is a very common crop pretty much everywhere in the world, just not a very common crop here in the US, mm-hmm. but that there's this amazing sort of gelation capability embedded in that protein. And it's that gelation capability that, that lets it scramble like an egg. So the, the biggest technology part or the biggest challenge, I guess, for a technology team has been, how do you get that protein out of the mung bean without destroying that amazing functionality that exists in it? And that's been the, the really big piece. Um, obviously, there's some other ingredients in it, but the real core ingredient, what makes it work, what makes it scramble, what gives it the health profile and the sustainability profile that Just Egg has is just a non-GMO mung bean. That's, that's really the heart of it. Okay. It's funny. I, I got to say, I was, in, uh, I was in Nashville late last year and I was going through a supermarket and I saw your product and... <laughs> For me, it was like a celebrity sighting because I've been <laughs> following you guys for some time. And I was like so excited that I had to buy myself a bottle and, and give it a go. And it was fantastic. I loved it. It's, awesome. it's funny working around other ag tech and food tech companies. I've always been excited for alternative protein products and, and plant-based products and all those types of things. But I've always been kind of skeptical. And I, I got to say, you guys kind of blew me out of the water and um, I thought it was great. So I appreciate that. I love what you guys are doing and uh, yeah. keep going. But thank you. That, that leads me to my, my next question of, of good meat, because that's kind of a different thing altogether you're trying to tackle. So what are some of the challenges that good meat faces in creating cell cultured meat products that are sustainable and taste like traditional meat? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, we, I think we've been pretty open about it. there's a lot of challenges. I mean, it's. Um, well, actually, let me just take a beat and explain what the process is, and I can mm-hmm. sort of walk through what we need to do to to win in that space. The way cultivated or or culturing meat works is you you extract cells from an animal, so you can do it harmlessly. You don't have to kill the animal, mm-hmm. and then you sort of select the best cells and you you immortalize them. And it's a process where the cell will just continue to divide, and then you put those cells into what we call bioreactor. Imagine like a almost like a beer brewing vessel that you'd see in a microbrewery. It's a bit large sort of steel vessel. And that vessel or bioreactor, it, it feeds the cells the same things an animal would feed its cells. So you're thinking about obviously warmth, but then nutrients, amino acids, salts, water, lipids, those are the media that it, it needs in order to continue to, to grow. Now, the, where the challenges come in is that this is a technology that has only recently been looked at for food. So you know, before that, it was like more limited, expensive healthcare purposes. Think like biopharmaceuticals or making a heart valve, um, something mm-hmm. where you could spend hundreds of thousands of dollars 
to make something small. We're obviously looking at it very differently, right? How, how do you figure out how to make a lot of something in a way that is cost competitive to conventional meat? So you've got to look at every single step of that process, right? How do you make a lower cost growth medium that you feed the cells? How do you make the vessels bigger and bigger to gain economies of scale? So, you know, all this stuff is, is just being figured out now. And it's, it's super exciting. And we've been very successful in a relatively short period of time in terms of both figuring out how to make a delicious product, mm -hmm. um, figuring out how to make sure we can get into market, yep. and then bring it down costs. So we're on version three of our good meat chicken. Um, we are selling in Singapore. We're selling actually at a butcher shop in Singapore, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, wow. And right now we're, we're the first and only company to be able to hit the market commercially. And as we're doing that, we're getting better and better about, again, just making sure it tastes better and then making sure that we're going to be able to continue to bend that cost curve down. That's fantastic. That's really exciting. Uh, I guess I got to ask, as the head of global marketing, how are you looking to market both of these products? It's a big question. Um, the key value proposition, let's start with Just Egg, I guess. I mean, Just Egg mm -hmm. is, we're one of the fastest growing egg brands in the US. Uh, plant-based eggs is the fastest growing plant-based category. Yep. Our retail products are in 2 million US households right now. We're sold at 40,000 points of distribution. We're in Whole Foods, Walmart, Target, uh, you name it. We're probably there. We're at coffee shops now. Uh, Pete, mm -hmm. Spills, Caribou. Uh, just last week, we launched in five, 600 Barnes & Noble coffee shops around the US. And consumers are coming to us for a variety of reasons. They're coming to us a large chunk, but not the overwhelmingly large chunk is vegans. So people who are not eating any, any animal protein, but the majority mm -hmm. of our consumers do buy some animal protein. Um, yep. So this is a, a larger flexitarian segment. Mm -hmm. um, these consumers are coming to us. Um, the biggest reason is health. They're coming to us because they want to eat better for their bodies. Um, yep. Heart health is a big piece. Just egg has no cholesterol. We've got a really good lipid profile. If you want to dive into the different types of fats that are in our product. Sustainability is a big piece, uh, particularly with younger consumers. So we can talk about this more later, but we just use less water, land, um, emit less carbon by making eggs directly from plants. Yep. And then the third piece, smaller but important, is a lot of families have allergies. And so there's a lot of young families with egg allergies that write us letters every day <laughs> thanking us yep. for being there because without us breakfast would be tough. Mm. And then the other thing, of course, and I, I mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation is animals. And uh, it isn't the number one reason, uh, sort of value proposition why consumers choose us, but but certainly it's important. Good meat, good meat, we're just getting started on marketing. So mm -hmm. it's much smaller. It's going to take longer for us to scale the technology, but we're winning. We're, like I mentioned earlier, we're the first and only company to sell cultivated meat commercially. We're in Singapore consumers have been really positive about it so far. At the very beginning, this is going back to when we launched in December of, I think it was December 2020, 2021. I, I actually have to go back and look. When we first launched, we, we surveyed consumers in the US and Singapore and two thirds of them saying that they're open to cultivated meat. Yeah. And it, what's interesting is that the younger the consumer is, the more likely they are to be open to eating uh, cultivated meat. Um, so yeah. when you're thinking about the future, I think we're really optimistic about the, the consumer response. Um, we also 
asked consumers after trying our product. So we launched in a restaurant called 1880 um, in Singapore. And after consumers left, we'd follow up and we'd survey them. Um, the number wasn't two thirds after trying it. 88% of consumers who tried our product said they were open to substituting conventional meat with cultivated meat. Yeah, wow. Vast majority thought our chicken tasted the same or better than conventional chicken. That's not surprising because it it is chicken. I mean, it's the other thing yeah. that differentiates the cultivated meat process from the plant-based meat process. Um, if you look at it on a cellular level, if you're allergic to chicken, you're going to be allergic to good meat chicken because <laughs> it is chicken. Um, yeah. uh, so, so far, so good. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. You, you mentioned before sustainability. I was wondering if you could do a bit of a cross comparison from like the traditional animal-based products uh, to what you guys are doing, what those sustainability benefits are. Yeah. Um, so we have two brands, again, one plant-based, one cultivated, but the mission for both is is the same. It's improving human and planet health. Just Egg uh, uses 98% less water, 93% fewer carbon emissions, and 84% less land use than conventional eggs. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is it's because it's just more efficient to make protein without an animal. The big use of water, carbon, land, it's, it's not the chicken itself. It's the amount of feed that you have to grow to put into the chicken. That's true, by the way, when you're talking about beef or pork or, or any kind of animal protein. So if you can just make an egg directly from the plants, instead of going from the plants to the chicken to the egg, you're just going to get a much more efficient process. Good meat, it's sort of similar. I mean, it, obviously the process is way different. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, if you think of the efficiencies of an animal at the scale we're talking about, right? F- feeding the world. To make one calorie of beef, it takes 20 to 25 calories in. So you're spending a lot of resources, a lot of land, a lot of water to make a lot of feed and you just get a little bit out. Um, Chicken is a little bit less bad. It's, you know, I think it's about 10 calories for one calorie out. So, you know, there's gotta be a better way to do this, right? If you don't have to worry about the calories for chicken walking around, the calories for feathers and beaks and in all of these things that go into conventional animal agriculture, you're able to get a lot of efficiencies. Just to illustrate this more, I mean, uh, half of the world's land that can be used uh, it is used for agriculture. Um, yeah. More than three quarters of that is used for livestock production. Mm-hmm. Um, so of all of that land that's being used right now, livestock generates 18% of our calories. So again, the, it's a key problem, particularly when you're thinking about how are you going to tackle climate change? And one of the biggest problems, obviously, is deforestation. And deforestation is happening primarily because of the growing need for feed for animals for meat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good meat, again, how can we take this process that is not great for the animal, not good for the planet, really bad for our forests, and make it more efficient? So the best studies we have, and again, we, we have not scaled good meat yet the same way that, that we can look at it with Just Egg. But um, if you look at GFI and other groups that have done studies on this, um, we're likely to achieve about a 95% reduction in land use, a 92% reduction in CO2, and a 78% reduction in water. Yeah, wow. So um, a, a lot of savings to be unlocked. You mentioned before that you've had previous customers review your product on the back end. I was wondering, are there any success stories or case studies that you'd be able to share with us? 
Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I'll just to mention like Pete's, for example, we now have our second permanent menu item at Pete's. So they, the first is the everything plant-based sandwich mm -hmm. into Pete's sort of like a test and learn. And I think it's like number one or number two selling hot food item at Pete's right now. Wow. Um, it performed so well. They, they added a second item, the Mediterranean flatbread at Pete's. Um, they just made that a, per they just brought that back and made it a permanent menu item. And yeah, the consumer response has been great. And like, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's not just the animal loving vegan, it's younger plant-based consumers like me, people trying for sustainability reasons, health reasons, allergy reasons. They just think it tastes good. Mm -hmm. Um, a big one, and this has come in my own life and a, and a lot of people I talk to is younger just egg consumers who are trying to get their parents to try just egg for their heart health. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, heart disease and issues relating to heart health are, are more prevalent, uh, obviously in older Americans. And one of my favorite, uh, more emotional ones came from, um, NBA star, Chris Paul, um, who is a, a consumer of our product, a friend of the company. Mm -hmm. Um, he went plant-based to improve his basketball performance. Um, that that's why he did it. That's why he started eating just egg. Oh, wow. But he pushed his dad, Charles because Charles had a bunch of health issues um, and he was navigating them and, and CP3 pushed Charles to try Just Egg. And he made a lot of changes in his life, not just Just Egg, but it really helped him kind of turn around his health. And last Father's Day, actually, uh, Chris Paul did sort of a little, kind of a little web short for us telling that story. And, and we made Charles a Just Egg ambassador because obviously when you think of a, a brand ambassador, you think of someone like CP3, um, we thought it'd be kind of cool to make his dad an ambassador for the brand um, for that reason, because it, it's it's that story that's in some ways even more powerful than the story of of Chris Paul um, using Just Egg to improve his performance. So we were excited to tell that story. That's fantastic. There's nothing better than a product that doesn't just get by, doesn't just tick the box, but it's actually, it's really delivering. So that's really cool stuff. What has working in food science and cell cultured products revealed to you as a big surprise? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, when I kind of reflect on it, I, I think um, none of this stuff's inevitable. I mean, it's like it, it, inertia doesn't lead to the creation of a plant-based egg or cultivated meat mm -hmm. category. It's um, if some group of people, and this is well before I joined the company, so I can't take the credit for it, but hadn't decided Hey, we're going to move forward with this crazy idea. We're going to invest all this capital, all this time. We're going to hire these amazing group of uh, groups of scientists and marketers and salespeople to to try to make an egg from a plant. And by the way, doing that years before you know beyond or impossible even hit the market, um, starting that process back in in 2011 or 2012. Um, again, before I joined the company. You know, they thought it might take uh, maybe a year to find the right protein, uh, maybe another mm -hmm. year to commercialize it. We launched in 2019. Um, this stuff's like really hard. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of smart people, a lot of resources. And even then, it might not work, you know, and, and lucky for us, I think it did. The other, the other great thing about, you know, plant-based and cultivated uh, is you can keep making it better. So it's... You know, we're on version three of Just Ag, we're on version three of, of, of Good Meat Chicken. But the, the process to make our product more delicious, um, healthier, more sustainable, more, more cost competitive, all those things are constantly being worked on and are going to keep improving every single year.
Yeah, that's great. What, in your opinion, represents one of the main challenges or blind spots in the fight against food loss and waste? Yeah, it's a huge part of the problem. And it it's not as, you know, sort of sexy as a new plant-based or cultivated meat brand. I mean, it doesn't get the attention in the articles. But, you know, one third to one half of the world's food is squandered. Mm-hmm. And it's at every single level of supply chain, um, from the farm to the factory to the grocery store shelf to the consumer's kitchen. And yeah, there should be more energy put into it. Um, I, I You know, it's cool to see... Um, what some brands are doing. Uh, it's like Imperfect Foods, obviously, one of the more notable ones. Um, not just trying to solve that problem, but like bringing consumer attention to the problem while they're doing it. You know, more people are thinking about food waste, I think, just because of what these brands are doing to tackle it. It's, it's forcing these conversations. I think it's great. You know, I just heard about, uh, I was just listening to you on a podcast recently about the the team behind Nest uh, launching Mill, which, uh, this sort of, you know, Nest Apple, you know, perfectly designed uh, solution to tackle the composting problem. And I think that they're right to like think about how can design solve a problem that maybe consumers are hesitant to tackle because composting isn't always sexy or interesting. And and maybe that is a way that technology and design can can help address it. And so it's cool to see how Nest is thinking through a subscription service and a really nice looking trash can and all of these things that, that maybe hadn't been thought of before. And then there's even obviously, cause I'm just mentioning the brand stuff, but there's a lot of work that goes into logistics and other things that, um, is probably less fun to talk about, but, but certainly, uh, uh just as if not more important. So then what advice would you give to entrepreneurs looking to start a company in the food tech space? Yeah, I mean, Just Egg spared no time or expense on on taste and product development. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was really smart. You know, the, the product came to market later than I'm sure some people wanted. You know, you can have a brilliant marketing team. You can have great margin. You can have an awesome sales team. You can do all those things right. Um, but if the product doesn't taste that great, they're not going to buy it again. Consumers aren't going to buy it again. They're not going to tell their friends and family. And that's something... You know, again, I can't take credit for at all. That's something that our founder instilled from the beginning that Chris Jones and our product development team um, focused on. It's a standard they set before they ever launched a product. Um, but it is actually something that we've incorporated into just our marketing and our messaging. Our brand platform is really good eggs. And when we talk about our product, we do talk about these value propositions around health and sustainability and all those things. But more than anything, we wanted to say it tastes really good because if a consumer doesn't hear that first and then they hear all the other things, they're going to kind of assume that all I'm talking about is cholesterol and sustainability because my product doesn't taste that good. Yeah. It's going to come off like an apology. Yeah. And, you know, from a brand perspective, we've worked really hard to not fall into that trap, to Mm -hmm. be super confident about what our product is, what you can do with it, the versatility, the taste. So yeah, I mean, if, if I'm talking to entrepreneurs, I would say, and I think this is obvious, this isn't, this isn't wisdom that I'm sure most founders don't already know, but uh, do not underestimate that, that piece of it. Oh, definitely. So Tom, we are coming to a close, but before we do, I just wanted to ask you, what is the major point you really want the listeners to take away from this episode? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I started with by talking about the reason I got into this and got into it, obviously, from politics, where I was motivated by a lot of causes I cared about. And I'm excited about food because I think the way we make food right now is really broken. It's bad for almost everyone. I mean, it's bad for the planet. It's bad for our bodies and health. It's, I'm not talking about all foods, but I think the system in general. It's bad for workers in slaughterhouses. It's terrible for confined animals. It's bad for family farmers. The whole thing stinks. And it's not this sort of niche toxic industry that has all these problems. It's food. I mean, it's core to every part of every life, every family, um, every celebration. And, you know, I can't think of a more important industry that I want to spend my time on. And obviously our listeners um, care deeply about it. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I think entrepreneurs, listeners, consumers, they can all do um, a lot to, to help solve some of these problems. I 100% agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, that's all for today's episode of Let's Talk Farm to Fork. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Tom, for joining me today. If you'd like to know more about Tom and Just Egg or Good Meat, check out the link in the description of this episode. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to write a review and share with your friends. Until next time, you've been listening to Let's Talk Farm to Fork, a post-harvest podcast. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Farm to Fork. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you would like to learn more about how you can practically play your part in maximizing fruit and vegetable supplies, whether you're a supplier, consumer, or anyone in between the farm to fork journey, visit postharvest.com and try out their free online course library today.